Hi, hi, how you doing? Yeah, I'm not survived, thank you. Surviving. Oh boy. <laughs> surviving since you did this this film or surviving in general? Yeah, they're both. <laughs> oh my god. I am so I empathize with you, man. I do not know how you went through this. It's an unusual experience. <laughs> uh, just, yeah, just take me through it a little bit. Like like what was going through your head when all this and you know, pardon my French, but this shit went down. Yeah. Uh, well, obviously, initially, it, it turned out obviously nothing like we were kind of envisioning in terms of the origin of the idea of the documentary. Um, in terms of how I felt as everything was happening, it, it, to be quite honest, all a bit of a blur in terms of we shot it over an 18-month period um, of probably about just over three months solid shooting stretched over that period. Um, so what you obviously see on screen is the kind of the, the carnage in terms of what we kind of got out of the experience in terms of hit points and things so there were trips where not a great deal happened and there was obviously trips that were uh, the epitome of depravity and craziness so it, it's kind of hard to say how I felt during the process because there was about many different kind of emotions along the way really but all I can say was a, a little bit of a blur and what can we kind of craft out of what we were getting pretty much was the, the consensus throughout. So, so was there more depravity that we don't see? Very unfortunately, yes. You're kidding. No. <laughs> there's, there's stuff we literally could not show for various reasons, mainly um, censorship and legal reasons. A lot of the stuff we, we simply could not show. Can you uh, give me an example of something? Um, so generally what we kind of did with the final piece, we kind of used language rather than actions. So we kind of uh, cherry-picked where he was kind of telling us things that, as far as the viewer were aware, we didn't witness, but we witnessed a high percentage of the information he was kind of giving us. So I'll let your imagination run wild in terms of... Because we literally, like I say, it was a... Well, you can see with the final product, it was a fly on the wall. We're literally just shooting from the hip and getting everything and anything. Um, and that's, 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 it is what it is, so to speak. Did, did you want to mic him during his dates? Because that would have been a really cool thing to just yeah, listen. And, and initially, with the, when we came up with the, the concept of trying to the romanticize finding love in such a, a different kind of world and environment um, on online dating. I, what I didn't want is it ending up a little bit like the first dates where you're listening on dates. I almost wanted um, reactions, but maybe not in the moment reactions. Um, so initially I didn't. In hindsight and retrospect, um, I kind of wish I would have gone down that avenue. It might have given a slightly different flavor to the to the whole thing. So that, that is the one regret from, from a filmmaking point of view, that maybe I should have given that the time rather than trying to go with the polar opposite of everything that had been done before, if you, if you can understand what I'm kind of trying to get at. Yeah, because I'm thinking to myself, uh, you know, as a woman, and, and that's my next question, but just let yeah. me couch this. I, I, I just kept feeling like what woman in their right mind would sleep with this man? Like, I was just so curious what he would be saying to them. Yeah, I mean, the, 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 we got tiny snippets. I mean, um, the ones we show in Hong Kong, you kind of get a feel of um, the different sides in respect of, of how he would maybe speak to a lady before he would be rebuffed. 
Um, what we kind of see is a lot of, I keep wanting to say his real name, we'll call him Christian. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> no, I was going to interview early on where I was so close. Um, <laughs> the, we kind of, the, the behavior you see is when he's almost not being successful, I suppose, is, is probably the, uh, a, a way of putting it in terms of talking to him properly. And um, But unfortunately, we found a character that wasn't, you're right, that any woman would be in the right mind to even have a drink with, let alone share a bed with, to be quite honest. Yeah. So what have been the reactions, men versus women? really interesting and not necessarily the demographic of male and female I just I think different viewpoint in the sense that what we've got what we ended up with was it's basically just an expose of, of a cautionary tale that, that is what I can kind of put it down to um, but the consensus is one or the other it's that we can't believe this behavior is not a result of something that's happened in the, in the, in the individual's life so they're almost a reason about wanting a reason. No one can be like this. And then the other side of the acceptance of this exists. And sometimes it might not be for any reason other than he's a deplorable individual. So you've got those two contrasting views of it's one of those things you're either going to be really interested in or hate it and want to turn it off. We're fully aware of that. And it's those are the two views of there's got to be a reason for this. I'm really interested in finding out the reason or the acceptance of this exists, people should be warned it exists, this kind of uh, you know, toxic masculinity. and um, So those are the two contrasting kind of reactions we've had so far. Yeah, I mean, you know, talk about, like, I, uh, there were many times I was yelling at, at my little computer screen, which is, you know, pretty big to, you know, watch a film on, just so you know. And I, and I just kept saying, why, why is he still there? Like, what kept you there? What, yeah. you went through all this abuse, he drugged you. It wasn't MDA he actually gave me, hence my uh, comatose state. Um, so, yeah, it wasn't a particular pleasant experience in terms of after. I didn't, to be quite honest, I knew very little of what was going on at the time. So it was more the day after where it kind of sank in. And it was, there was a point now where I was at my moral compass of enough's enough. And obviously it, it plays like that in because obviously it's condensed to 83 minutes where we have a lot of uh, footage coming back to the UK and discussing things and going to uh, following him, you know, being tested, et cetera, et cetera, or supposedly. Um, but we chose not to have that in because it almost took away the experience we wanted the view that we wanted the viewer to have the experience we had as this roller coaster madness really. Mm. Um, so what kept me going, to be quite honest, was the constant almost apologies and, and reasoning that you don't see in the documentary from a moral point of view, but in all honesty, as a first-time filmmaker, when you've got a private group of investors investing money in a documentary, there's a hell of a lot of pressure there in terms of... Uh, I, I felt the pressure of needing to deliver something out of, out of the chaos and, and the personal kind of endurance that I've had to go through. What did he drug you with? Um... Well, a briefly kind of drug, whatever, whatever concoctions they are, wherever you get them from. I'm not, I'm no, I'm no expert, but 
Yeah, I mean, well, you should you should have sued his ass. What, like, really, seriously? What, what if yeah. like something really bad happened to you? Yeah, I mean, it's it, it's been it's been talked about. I mean, this is this documentary has taken well over kind of best part of forty months after the final edit to get out there for various legal reasons, whether it would be with airlines and uh, again Christians. Um, kind of situation in terms of what we have so a lot of things including myself as well um you know there was there was talk of certain certain things maybe happening but obviously wanting to get the piece out there was was what kind of overrode everything in the end huh are you you're married i think i saw a wedding ring what does your wife think of this and what and what what was she when you told her your idea what what, what did she think yeah, I mean, the idea of, I mean, don't get me wrong, I'm not that naive that I, I wasn't aware, and obviously I've known the pilot and many other pilots within that fraternity, um, you know, a lot of years, 15, 16 years, and, and heard the story, so I was fully aware of, you know, that world, but I was totally aware of the sheer depravity of it. Um, what fascinated me was, can you find that kind of love in that world? Um and that was, you know, that was the, the, the opening premise. And she kind of, yes, yeah, it, it sounds really interesting. But obviously from a female point of view that hadn't heard the stories, it was probably more naive than, than than my kind of perception of it. So she was, yeah, she was interested in to see what it would result in. But she had no idea it would result in the, the kind of content we, we kind of unveiled. Well, what did she say when she saw it? Um, she wasn't too impressed at some <laughs> Um And you know what, I didn't even, could I, I thought about conditioning it in a certain way. I obviously told her what was going on as we were going along, but it's really difficult in terms of, I've said this before, that you have a conversation about these kind of stories in a, in a, in a bar or in the office, and while, you know, the language will be, you know, distasteful, and until you see it actually on screen, it becomes a whole nother level, and experience it, even experiences it. I, I don't, I didn't feel as strongly in the moment as I do now when I watch it back. Mm. It's really interesting how, you know, the language and the behaviour is completely unacceptable. But when you're actually experiencing or hearing it, it is a very different, different emotion. It's really, really hard to kind of explain. But seeing it on screen definitely polarised. You know the horribleness i would say more than anything so now since so now since this is coming out have you heard anything from quote christian um only through three parties we haven't spoken well over a year now um obviously we've spoken since the incident um that you see on screen but not on a personal level all only through kind of legals and, and what was going to happen and other pilot friends. He's actually been made redundant because of the COVID, which uh, maybe it's maybe, maybe it's a good thing for us in that in that sense. So he's currently uh, not working at the minute, as far as I'm aware. I mean, is you know you, you do cover his face, but he he kind of could be recognised. <laughs> I, I can pretty much imagine that people that will know him will know who it is. Yeah. Um, we just basically cover ourselves legally in terms of dotting the I's and 
and the crosses really in terms of what we were allowed to kind of do and obviously it became apparent quite early on in shoot that we had to kind of rethink although I was always wanting to do a raw fly on the wall rather than a slick contrived kind of on, on vogue documentary that seems to kind of be the pull at the moment I wanted to do something completely opposite and really kind of show as it is um, we certainly started off thinking we were going to be able to show his identity it was just lucky that we had that rawness to begin with that we could carry on with the stylistic side of it I wonder if the airline industry is even going to go after this guy again it could be a possibility like you say there are some kind of possible criminality in there that we kind of covered ourselves that there wasn't certainly on our part without it having any kind of to do with it but um I, can't, I, I can imagine if, um, and I hope to be honest, because part of it is kind of a sense that this isn't kind of a lone wolf, um, to be quite honest, in terms of obviously this is one particular character and we're not tarnishing every pilot with the same brush, but there's definitely a behavioural pattern within the industry and maybe it should be looked at in that sense. The airlines should get involved in terms of maybe find, you know, finding a way to kind of combat this because at the end of the day it's not behavior that should be acceptable this could be a follow-up documentary for you al yeah yeah i mean there's there's a couple of things in the pipeline in terms of that but yeah it quite quite possibly it could be the next because it does fit it does end very abruptly again we're fully aware of that and kind of felt that was the way to go with it in terms of any kind of conclusion it's not a satisfactory story by any by any means in terms of you don't get kind of any romantic arc out of the story from the pilot's point of view so yeah there is open to something where we could possibly do it more broad like you say looking at the industry as a whole and maybe getting what we couldn't get on camera the first time with other pilots maybe pursue that it could be it could be a possibility yeah yeah that's something i would like to see i mean um i know that like you say, it's probably behavior that exists like across the board because yeah. they are flying across the world and they're lonely yeah. and crazy. Um, yeah. What I also really, I mean, you know, I had such a reaction to this, but I really did like it. It was well done. Uh, we learned so much about you through the course yeah. of this too. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. Talk about that. Like, talk about what you were, you know, your how we see your frustrations and what came out about yeah. you. Yeah, I mean, essentially, the from the the second trip as it was, um, we knew pretty much that we were in different waters completely. How we're going to deliver this? Um, so we talked about with the production that it literally had to be my reactions to what was going on. Um, I didn't quite calculate how much I would be thrown into it from a personal point of view. I also had a personal tie um, with Christian's um, wife more than Christian, to quite honest. I had a friendship with Christian, but I think we've come across a little bit more so in the documentary than it actually was. Um, obviously, I introduced him to his wife, so I, the emotional connection was there for me, really, more than, more than Christian himself. Um, and finding out more about someone you thought you knew and you had an investment from the other side, um, that was what affected me the most, I think. Um, in, in regards to the incidents, like I say, it was such a blur um, and how things kind of 
panned out. I've got no real kind of feeling or emotion about it, really. It's like when you're saying the legalities of he drugged me. I'm really, ironically, quite numb to all that. It's more of the emotional side of it where it kind of took me, took me, took me back and, and takes a little while to get used to seeing something in a different light that you thought was something completely different, basically. Yeah, I mean, that must have just thrown you for a loop. Yeah, yeah, because like I say, the, the, the loyalty, if you want to kind of call it that, was to, to Charlotte rather than the pilot really from, from the outset. Um, but obviously we don't talk about Charlotte too much for obvious reasons in the documentary. Um, so it was, it was played out more, the friendship between me and um, Christian. Mm. And now have you come to know that Tinder is just a hookup app and not a dating app? <laughs> <laughs> again, again, not to be too naive, but I'm married man for, for 20 years, but it's all very, it, it, to be quite honest, there's no far pay with that. It is quite genuine in terms of finding out about the app, and I've got a seven-year-old daughter, and it's definitely a cautionary tale that I might wait 11, 12 years to kind of <laughs> divulge the information that I've kind of been informed of over the last couple of years but it's definitely something I would have a little bit of a warning sticker on with the next generation I think and I don't think I don't think your daughter should ever see this <laughs> <laughs> maybe not this, uh, maybe I'll do um, a, a daughter court that'll be about two minutes worth I think don't use Tinder <laughs> there you go <laughs> don't quote me on that one though. I'll be getting sued <laughs> what does DTF actually stand for if anything so we, yeah, we had a bit of a uh, play around with the title. This was again, this was post everything we'd kind of got together after the, the massive edit we did. Um, we, it's a play on words of Delta Tango Foxtrot. If you're being polite, but fortunately or unfortunately, if you go on a Tinder profile, uh, particularly the, the passport ones that enable you to go around the world, uh, which you subscribe to, it's basically down to F U C K. Wow. An open invitation for for casual sex, basically. So yeah, we, we decided on it. Kind of fitted the uh, the content that we we got really. Wow! Wow! Fantastic. So, um, any any plans to do a feature, or are you just sticking on the in the documentary world? Uh, for now, I'm going to stay. With, I've got a couple of screenplays that um, more of a, a feminine take, actually. That uh, a 65 year old widow. But um, I, I really want to kind of work with more experienced directors and pass the screenplay on at this stage of my career. In terms of documentary, that, that arm of things, I've got a couple of things in the pipeline. One is uh, around the international betting syndicate, World Sports Betting. I found a character um, in a country I can't name yet, a mathematician. That it could be, could be not too dissimilar to DTF in terms of we found a character. Um, like a profile documentary that could be quite interesting and also maybe there could be a darkness to it as well. Um, so that's something we're pursuing over the next couple of months. And also um, South African Township uh, junior soccer team that want to play with an affluent UK team. There's talks about me getting involved with something like that. Something a bit more enriching for the soul than the, the last uh, <laughs> the, the debut one. So took me a while to get over. Oh, I bet. I bet. I, I'm sure you needed a lot of yeah. cold showers, I should say. <laughs> <laughs> well, this 
listen, I'm a new fan. I think I think you're very talented. So um, I'm, I I'm, very much appreciate it. Yeah, I hope to uh, chat with you for your next film. And do you have like a um, an idea of like who you would want to cast in the feature, or is it too soon? In the feature, no. I'm um, um, working with because I program the Manchester Film Festival, so I've met um, a few filmmakers over the last seven or eight years, and uh, a lady called Lee Alicia Slimmer. Um, is interested in directing. It's called Alan the Screenplay. Um, we have spoke with Karen Allen, uh, Indiana Jones fame. Oh yeah. Uh, through through the festival, she'd be kind of perfect for the role. So, you know, it's, it's still still very early days in development from the from the narrative side of things, but it's definitely got potential for the current climate. I think. I can't believe she's going to be. Is she is she already sixty five years old, Karen Allen? She's there or thereabouts. And yeah, yeah. I don't, don't want to. Don't quote. <laughs> <laughs> oh wow, wow. She's in that region, yeah. Crazy. Time flies. It really does. No pun intended. Time flies. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, thanks again for calling in. It was really nice oh, talking to you. Pleasure, Robin. Yeah, and you stay in touch. I will. And you too. That's great. Thank you. Thanks. Bye bye. Bye now. Bye bye. Always news. Always refreshing. Always candid. Always billing about. Robin Milling delivers what celebrities are saying to you. To you. To you.